Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, where we explore the best practices that have emerged in Vizient's PI collaboratives. I'm Courtney Furrow-White, PI Program Director at Vizient. On this episode, we'll discuss the Capacity Management Program at Keck Medicine at USC, building on what we learned in our recent webcast. Joining the podcast are two members of the team that were involved in this initiative. I became a nurse to make a difference in people's lives. And being a part of the capacity management team, you're able to do that. Dana Asato, Manager of Capacity Management and Staffing, shares with us the rationale behind the team's efforts. So whether it be a young 26-year-old man that had overdosed that needed to go on ECMO, or the 33-year-old woman that really needs to come in to have a liver transplant that has two little kids at home, getting patients in and moving through the continuum, we're able to open our doors to others that so desperately need the care that we can provide for them. I've had personal experiences where patient access has been important to me in my personal life. So that's really driven me. Jason Willardson, process architect, tells us why capacity management is so crucial to him. A lot of these patients coming to us are coming to us because they can't get this care at the community hospital they're in or whatever setting they're in. So it really means a lot to those patients. Anybody that has worked on capacity patient flow in hospitals knows that it's a difficult problem to solve or even to improve. I don't know if any of us have solved it. And I enjoy looking at those difficult problems and trying to unwind them and find something in that. I, too, love to problem solve. I have a very analytical mind. And so to be able to come into the concept of capacity management with all of the moving parts to be able to navigate through that, it gives you the opportunity to be able to get patients in to receive the care when they need it. In this challenging and evolving program, Jason saw early on that the organization needed leadership and support to get this effort off the ground and make it work. So Keck added Dana, along with Matt Starr, to the team as part of the core leadership for capacity management. In addition, their team's participation in the Vizient Capacity Management Collaborative gave them the boost they needed. Here's how Jason described it. I think one of the major things that helped us get the right individuals in place was participate in the Vizient Collaborative. Kind of gave us the push to say, hey, we need to hold ourselves accountable. We're going to be reporting out. At some point in time, we should really do this. So that's been one big thing. I think the other is dedicated leaders. Their job description is focused on this. Previously, it was a number of different people in a number of different areas that had small ownership. And if I had walked in and tried to get everything down on paper of who owned what and who was working on what, it would have been a really difficult task. But with the introduction of Dana and Matt in their specific roles has really helped us to organize around that more and their dedication makes it so we have that specific focus all the time. And then they're helping other leaders in the organization to work on capacity and flow things that they've always wanted to work on as well. Engagement really has come through transparent communication and having those opportunities to collaborate. The weekly meetings on how are we going to get the department up and running and looking at identifying key stakeholders and really placing value on what so many people across the organization, their role that they play in capacity management and making it a safe space for conversation. 
when we really look at our opportunities to improve processes globally across our organization and beyond, we know that none of us are perfect and we all have opportunities to improve and to really make it a safe place to collaborate has been key. We're not finger pointing. We're not saying, well, you didn't do your part. So therefore, this is unsuccessful. It's really our problem. And how are we going to make things better? And then celebrating wins to say we worked really hard and here's what we were able to achieve. One of their achievements was reducing patient length of stay, which is a crucial factor in moving patients through the continuum of care. Improving length of stay started with a loose coalition of clinicians willing to make the effort. And it proved exhausting and challenging. Yet this was the work that revealed the opportunities for improvement. So our length of stay improvement work really started four or five years ago now with our care delivery redesign committee and implementation project. Sometimes we'll call it the coalition of the willing. Essentially, we said, hey, we need to start working on length of stay. Who can jump on board with us? And so in that, we focused on some core specialties at the hospital who said, yes, we know we have length of stay opportunity. Let's dive in and see what we can do. So the initial steps of that were very specialty service focused. We did in-depth chart reviews for specific patient populations for them. We had a case manager and a nurse that spent way too many hours pouring through the patient's charts and understanding every little thing that happened every day and coming up with where were our opportunities, where were we missing days for the patient. And uh, they did some incredible work. Starting there helped us to start to see, okay, what projects can we work on? And we focused again on what did the specialty team want to emphasize. Rather than going to them and saying, hey, you're not doing well in this, this, and this, we showed them the information and then they gave us what we should work on from there. So we really collaborated and worked as a team with them to start. Over time, we've grown that into more specialties and then also doing the same thing with our professional services and uh, everyone else throughout the care team seeing what frustrations they have and what things they know are increasing patient length of stay today and working on it from their perspective. And then I would say the other key thing we've done was getting the voice of the patient. We've had the opportunity to work with our patient family advisory council to interview some of our patients and understand during your stay, what were you feeling? What was it like What did you experience when you were being discharged, when you were sitting waiting for a procedure to be done and you didn't know when it was going to happen or what the status of it was? And then we brought that information back to our wider committee and prioritized what projects do we want to work on based on what the patient sees is valuable. And so I think those two things, really focusing on the patient and then focusing on what the folks that are doing the work see as opportunities has really helped us to identify what really matters rather than what the people in the suits or what the numbers are identifying. And that has gotten all of the team members really engaged and wanting to make change. Crucial to these efforts was their use of Vizian's clinical database. Jason describes the ongoing value of the CDB. That's been a huge help for us. All of our team members were very interested in comparison data. What does ICU length of stay look for this patient population elsewhere? 
And so we were able to use that to say, hey, our patients for this specific procedure or this diagnosis are staying for eight days. But when we compare to everyone else, they're five or six. So what does that mean? Where are we missing the boat? We've also had times where we've had some of our team members say, oh, I know someone from this organization that we're seeing really good results for them. Let me reach out to them and we can learn from them specifically. And our team really gets excited when we see that data from the clinical database. Given the gains Jason, Dana, and their team have made, their program is beginning to catch on beyond the original areas they addressed in the beginning. They have caught the attention of several new groups and subgroups that want help in managing patient capacity in their areas. Dana explains. We have some really exciting initiatives going on now, whether it be with our EVS partners and also our peri-op services, our admissions team. So we have subgroups that are really deep diving into how can we continue to improve our workflows and continue our processes. Also, we're coming up with a combined guiding principles document rooted in the patient being the center of why we're all doing this. And what can each of our respective areas do to ensure that the patient is receiving the care that they need, the care that they deserve when they need it. And then also we're seeing growth. I was really excited about a meeting that I was invited to this week. It was originated by our physicians that are responsible for our MCS, TCS, that's mechanical circulatory support and temporary circulatory support programs. They really want to partner with capacity management. So we had a brainstorming session on how can we forge our partnership to be able to continue to break down barriers to getting patients in in a more timely fashion. So starting tomorrow, we're doing our daily huddle launch. If we see a great value add from one, then maybe we'll even do it twice. Really looking at patients that are potentially needing to come in, patients that are here in-house, and how can we continue to move them through the continuum. So as we see this launch as a pilot, perhaps that will go on to you know, having other service lines be able to be partnering with our team. With the patients, with the acuity and complexity of the care that they need coming into our facility, those hours really matter. Dana and Jason have good advice for those wanting to effectively address capacity management in their own organizations. Ideas on how to get started and how to get some of the pieces in place. What is the saying about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? (laughs) I think that's what I, I kind of flash to in the fact when you look at capacity management, it can be this large, large, overwhelming feat to tackle. And as you look at the various components and break it down, just be really honest about where you are, where do you want to go, what is the commitment, taking that time on the front end to align your teams on what really is the goal that we're setting out to achieve. What do we want to do? What can we really do? What is the time frame? And then as those pieces come together, the outcomes will come. It is such a big, complex task to work on capacity management. And I know for me, plenty of times as I've looked at all of the different ideas and all the different people that we need to get in the room, there are some days I just think, all right, we're never going to make this work. One thing I always have to remind myself is don't let perfect be the enemy of good or the enemy of better. With this work, we could sit around for years and years and years and say, oh man, wouldn't it be so cool if we could do all of these things and just wait until the perfect time to do all of it at once. As Dana and I have really been 
jumping into the trenches together on some of this work to get it started. And now with the momentum that we have, what's this one small thing that we can do today or this week? And yeah, let's celebrate that one small thing. Hey, we sent out an email today that had this information that we've never been able to share before with the rest of the organization. That's exciting. That's awesome. It's small, but it's moving us toward where we eventually want to be. And so all those small gains are really helpful. Now we're getting physicians coming to us and saying, hey, we want to work on this. We want to collaborate with you. Uh, So that culture change is starting to move now too. And I think a lot of the reason for that is because we have just been taking the small steps, doing a little bit of a time, And then everybody else has seen that and said, oh, this is exciting. I want to jump in and and be involved as well. Fantastic story. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Knowledge on the Go. And I want to thank Dana Asado and Jason Willardson for joining us on this podcast. And thanks to you, our listeners, for taking the time to join us as well. And please look for future Knowledge on the Go podcasts. For Vizient, I'm Courtney Furrow-White. Thanks again for listening. 